Hello, and welcome to the next episode of Trials with Maya Z, brought to you by TrialHub, a data intelligence platform that helps clinical research organizations and sponsors plan clinical trials. This podcast is about how we can make clinical trials more successful and patient-friendly. I am your host, Maya C, and in every episode, I will be interviewing a leading expert from various industries in order to discuss some of the major challenges and brainstorm how we can solve them. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Um, My name is Maya, and you're with Trials with Maya Z. And I'm today here with Alex O'Leary and uh, super excited because today we will be covering uh, a very unusual topic, again, around what makes or breaks clinical trials, but from a completely different perspective. But let me first allow my guest, Alex, to introduce himself. Thank you, Maya. And thanks for uh, for, for having me on. I'm I'm excited to to be here. so, yeah, my name's Alex O'Leary. I'm a uh, director um, of the Pharmaceutical Business Conference Group or, or PBC Group. Um, I've worked across uh, clinical trials, specifically in clinical trials, events and conferences um, for over 13 years now, um, delivering everything um, from delegate tickets, to, uh, content, to strategy, uh, to, to solution provider involvement um, and uh, sort of started from the very kind of bottom and, and worked up to, to running what is now my own company um, alongside some colleagues. Um, I've also spent some time working um, across uh, the clinical trial and wider health tech space um, in uh, mergers, uh, acquisitions and investment as well. Um, so I'm able to come at it from, from that side of things as well. Thank you, Alex. Alex and I met a few weeks ago or maybe a month ago, uh, and congratulations actually on starting your own business. Uh, What really excited me was uh, our conversation around different conferences and events in the clinical research space. My questions are all around what makes or breaks clinical trials, and that's exactly what we all discuss when we when we visit different events and conferences. And I immediately became super curious to hear from your perspective, Alex. What are these hot topics that people are? Mm, uh, discussing during these conferences and events, and uh, I'm not speaking about the trendy stuff, like the things that we all hear, but which are these real things that are on top of the heads of these people, both from the solution providers, but also from the buyers, from the, these companies that are, that are there to find solutions or just to hear what happens with the industry. Sure. Well, I, I think that there's a couple of different uh, kind of ways you can come at this, and with hot topics and things that are actually the top of people's agenda, I suppose it depends who you, who you listen to. I think there's one list of things that conference organizers want to tell you are, are the most important things in, in the space. There are a list of things that solution providers and, and vendors want to tell you the most important things. And then there's a list of things that as a trial sponsor, most important things for you. And those things cross over for sure. But I think when it comes to what kind of makes or breaks a clinical trial, it's important that tying in with events that you're not just focusing on things that are popular or exciting or in the news mm. and everyone is talking about, but things that actually make an impact. And I think if you look across event agendas, not just our agendas, but across the entire event industry, you'll often see topics recurring again and again and again. And I'm thinking here of things like decentralized clinical trials and um, uh, DEI as well, so diversity and, and inclusion, which are showing up a lot. But I think if you often look at 
level at which those topics are being covered at events, it's very kind of superficial. It's things that everyone wants to say they're doing DEI properly. Everyone's putting things up on their website saying how important DEI is to them. But actually when it comes to clinical trials and engaging properly with a diverse range of patient populations, I think it's important for people to look at, are these companies actually doing that? Is it actually part of what it, what they're doing? Or are they just saying they're doing it because it's a buzzword, because it's on all of the newsletters and because everybody's talking about it. The same with, 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 with decentralized, um, uh, clinical trials or, or virtual trials. Obviously COVID was, was a massive shift, um, in, mm. in the clinical trial sector. It was a, a massive shift in events as well. It was a very interesting time to work in, in, in events. I can, can tell you, but with decentralized trials, I think you had over COVID, you had a real explosion in companies who were specialists or becoming specialists in decentralized and virtual trials. And then you had a big group of companies who weren't specialists in that area, but suddenly had to say they were specialists because otherwise they can't keep running their trials. And I think when it comes to, to DCT, you need to look as a trial sponsor about what people are actually saying. Are they saying, this is what we could do. This is nice to do. We might be able to do this. Or are they saying, this is what we have done. This is what worked. This is what didn't work. And I think that's very important when it comes to these kinds of topics on conference agendas, when they're being addressed, is it kind of superficial umbrella level overview of topics, or is it actual actionable insight into uh, to, to what people have done and are going to do moving forward. And I think yeah. when you, when you have those topics, what it all boils that back to in your original question about what makes or breaks a clinical trial. What makes or breaks a clinical trial is the patient. And if you don't engage the patients, if you don't recruit them, if you don't retain them, and if you don't treat them properly during the trial, then the trial isn't going to be a success. You can have the greatest tech, the greatest operational setup in the world, but if the patients aren't at the heart of everything you're doing, then it's not going to be successful. And that's everything from DCT to recruitment to sites, which again is, is really central to, to, to what people should be talking about. The patient has to be at the heart of it. And I think if you're in a prospective attendee or a solution provider looking to go to an event, if you're looking at topics on the agenda and patients aren't at the absolute heart of everything that's being talked about, then that is what I would consider kind of superficial overview of, of the topic and, or, and isn't on a conference agenda going to give the audience the kind of actionable takeaways they really should do when they're giving up their time to go to an event. Um, and that's very much what, what we try to do with, with the clinical outsourcing group events is have all of our topics providing actionable takeaways for the people who come, not just a nice two days where you get a few free USB sticks and a, and a nice buffet lunch. It's about actually going back to your office after two days and doing what you were doing before better, but being better mm. informed for the trials that you have coming down the track. You just mentioned one hot topic uh, to me, uh, including patients into conferences. Uh, but I'll add also here that, yes, you're right, that what makes or breaks a clinical trial is the patient's willingness and excitement around the clinical trial. I can't say excitement, but let's say, do they believe that they can benefit from a clinical trial? They have trial? to be motivated is, I think, is the key thing. Not exactly. Motivation. Exactly. I would also add here that uh, throughout the time, I also uh, convinced myself uh, how, how important it is 
for the sites in motivation as well to be there as well. So I would, if there are three main ingredients that make or break a clinical trial, I would say like, yes, I said actually three. And these three for, to me uh, are regulatory, sites, and patients. So which brings me to my next question. Um, you said that uh, patients, it's very, very important to have some actionable insights or, or, or case studies that you can uh, bring back home. Um, mm -hmm. And you said also patients' involvement. What if we have events and conferences where we can include both patients and sites, maybe regulatory, regulatory is already included, I think. Like there are plenty yeah. of, uh, of uh, conferences like the DAA where you can go and listen just for the, like about the, the regulatory. Patients, there are a few, but what I've seen is in most events and conferences, it's like almost like you're in different teams. We are the industry, you are the patients and you're the sites. Is it possible that we don't work like that? And it's kind of like a, we create a synergy between all these three stakeholders. Have you seen that, well, that before? I have seen it before. I've seen it at the, at the events that, that we run, but you're, you're right in your, your kind of summary of, of the vast majority of the established industry events that, that are out there. And I think if you're a trial sponsor uh, or indeed a solution provider, and you're, you're assessing whether to go to, to an event um, or not, when it comes to the content, I think it's important to make an assessment on the organizer and what they have at kind of the heart of what they're doing. And I think what I mean by that is, do they have patience and the advancement of clinical research at the heart of what they're doing and looking to provide that kind of synergy where everyone's in the room, everyone pulling in the same direction to come away from the event with, with kind of improvement moving forward, or are they as an organizer thinking about the, the financial aspect and how much money they can make from selling as many exhibition stands as possible and selling as many solution provider speaking slots on the agenda as possible, because there are two kinds of, of event organizers out there. I, I would like to say that we fall on, on, on the side where we want to provide genuine industry advancement. And that's why if you look at our agendas, we include patient advocacy bodies, not-for-profits, healthcare, government, alongside mm -hmm. sites, solution providers, and trial sponsors, because of that is representative of the entire clinical trial ecosystem. If you look at, and it's the case of a lot of very well-established events, if you look there, the agenda is biopharma and its solution providers who are paying to be there. And that's because there's a focus on how many speaking slots can we sell on the agenda, how much money we yeah. can make. And as, a, as an attending biopharma company, you're not going to get value from that because you're not seeing the full ecosystem in action. And actually, as a solution provider who's paying all that money to speak, you're also going to get a limited return on the money you, you spend because you're engaging with an audience who aren't fully engaged with the entire environment of clinical trials. So I think when you're talking about best practice at events, you need to look at what the organizer is doing and are they putting patients at the heart of, of their agendas and of what they of the environment at events they're trying to create. And if they're not, then that's an event that's run to make as much money as possible, not an event that's run to create mm -hmm. actionable forward progress for the industry. I hope you're enjoying this episode. If you find this topic relevant, you'll find it helpful to book a demo with our team on trialhub.com. Since 2019, we've supported more than 3,000 clinical trials with country, site, and patient feasibility. 
we'd love to show you how and help you get your trial right from the start. And now, back to my guests. It's interesting what you're saying, and at the same time, uh, you just recall a memory on my in my head. Um, many years ago, probably like 12 years ago or something like that, I was invited to be a part of a, a patients-hosted event. It was actually a World Patients Organization. I don't remember the precise name, but it's like a really global one. Um, and it was only patients invited, and they were discussing global patients' ch- challenges, problems, solutions. So, yeah, there were some pharma uh, representatives here and there, some regulatory, but the majority of the people were patients. And what I discovered was that this conference had nothing to do with the conference that I would usually go, like the industry events, let's put it that way. The difference didn't come from the fact that it's different audience, but the entire language was different. Different sort of problems were discussed, different challenges and completely different agendas. Even we were when we were discussing clinical research, sometimes even the terminology was different with the patients and the industry stakeholders. So I wonder, um, how do you bridge this gap between what patients, what they mainly care about and how they communicate that and what the industry cares about and their language, the way they express that? I think it boils back to the point I made before about what as an organizer you want to provide as an event. And mm-hmm. I think if, if you want to provide an environment, where productive conversations can take place where people can be engaged by very high quality content that brings in the full width and, and, and breadth of, uh, of industry and patients and sites and regulatory, all the things that, that you mentioned. Then I think if your objective is to do that, then you, then you can kind of move the dial in terms of how people view events as an organizer. If you, your objective is only to drive as much revenue and profit as possible, then you're never going to achieve that because to achieve what, what I've just mentioned, you need to be happy to, to step away from just getting in as much revenue as you, as you possibly can. And I think that sort of boils back to making selections on events. I think when it comes to solution providers, there is, this is something that happens as companies grow and they develop, but when they select events, there's a question always as to whether they're making, selecting for the right reasons. And if you are as, as a solution provider who has an events budget and you're paying money for stands and speaking slots and branding and all the things that go along with it, if you're paying to do that at an event, just because you've been there every year or because you're being pressured by the company to sign up for the next year's event before you've even attended this year's event, then maybe that's not attending for the right reasons. And that brought back to the way that the organizer positions and what the organizer wants to achieve. But I think assessments need to be made on events based on whether they actually deliver what you want to achieve. And don't get me wrong, return on investment in clinical trials from events is very difficult to quantify because you could be talking about, even if you start a sales conversation on site as an event, you're probably looking at a year cycle to anyone signing a contract with you anyway. And I've worked with plenty of clients over the years who've met someone at an event and then they've met them here and there for kind of five years in a row. And then eventually they work with them because it's about kind of being front of mind. But I often talk about events as looking at return on objectives. But what do you as a solution provider want to get out of the event? 
And that should be quite kind of simple to quantify in terms of what you want to get out of the event. And that should really boil back to the way the event is structured, the way the organizer has, has done it. And if, if you're making a decision on event based not on achievement of those objectives, then you're making a decision based on something that, that actually shouldn't be a core factor in that decision-making. You're making it on legacy choices. We were there last year, so we'll be there this year. You're making a decision because your competitors are there and you don't want to, to miss out. But actually, are you missing out on anything if you're not there? If you're not achieving your objectives, then you're not. Or as I've seen time and time and time again, across industry and lots of different events, you're signing up for the next year to secure a good boost spot on the plan before you've even got to the event. And then it doesn't matter whether your objectives are met or not, because you've already, already next year's, uh, next year's contract. So I think when it comes to events and looking to achieve what we should be looking to achieve as a, as a wide clinical trial industry, choices need to be made based on the right assessments when it comes to going to events, both biopharma and solution providers. Mm. And from what I'm hearing, this is mainly regarding, um, let's say, solution providers. But what if I'm, let's say, the buyer and or, for example, someone that just wants to learn more about the industry and just not the industry per se, but just to, to, to speak with other people and learn from their experiences and um and like see what's the trend like. So how how do I select uh, the right event for me then? I think as an attendee looking to learn and network and so on, you need to, to try and assess what role you play for the organizer. Do you play the role of someone who is being provided for with content and networking and those actionable takeaways that I mentioned? Is the agenda being put together for you to come in, spend two days, listen to really good content, get involved in panels and roundtables and whatever, and go away and perform your role and your upcoming trials better than you did before. Well, is it that, in which case, that's a good event for you to attend? Or are you to provide prospective clients for the solution providers? And events are, are, are a mix of those things. Solution providers are there, they fund trial sponsor attendance in a lot of cases. If you, as a prospective attendee at an event, if you can see that the only reason you're being asked to go is because the organizer needs to make up numbers to deliver for the solution provider attendees, then that is not an event that is designed with your best interests. And I would argue the industry's best interests at heart. So what we try to do with the COG events is provide exactly that, an environment and a content platform that allows people to go away better at their job than when they walk through the door. If while they're there, they meet with some solution providers who can help them along, along the road, then that's all the better. Um, but ultimately mm. events should start with, with quality content, not with providing mm. kind of, uh, uh, targets for, for solution providers, regardless of who they are. Yeah, I love that. Like quality content is the king of all content, which actually brings me to my next uh, question, the last question. Um, everything I'm hearing from you is, sounds very inspirational, how we should focus on uh, the content, uh, the relationship, uh, the, the, the actionable uh, insights. Uh, and I just wonder, can events and conferences accelerate change in the clinical research industry? Absolutely, they can. You can create an environment where over two or three days, 
you have all of the aspects of clinical trials in the room. You've got trial sponsors, solution providers, and that's everyone from, from service to tech-based industries. You can have government, regulatory, healthcare, charities, patient groups, not the profits, and patients themselves. You can, as an event organizer, which we try to do, put all those people in, in a room. And if you do that in an environment that is conducive to proper connections and proper engagement, you can genuinely make serious forward progress with the clinical trial industry and what it's doing, because you can create hundreds of conversations and hundreds of interactions that outside of an event format might take months or years to ever, ever happen. So that's mm. what you can do if you have ethics at the core of what you're doing as an event organizer to actually go after that objective, as opposed to, to, to just driving after the financial, which sadly is the case of a lot of organizers, but it doesn't have to be. Mm. Well, I'll, I'll take this as a summary and inspiration for the rest of my day. Conferences to become a platform, a platform for change, a platform for innovation and uh, focus on the real topics, on the real problems that we all have and try to, to tackle one way or another on the real cases where that like demonstrating how we can solve some of these problems or at least how we can think about these problems and overcome these uh, challenges. Alex, thank you so much for your time today, for sharing thank your you, thoughts. Um, I really wish myself and like for, for my entire network to see more people like you and it'd be great to, to meet you and um, yeah, again, speak about this quality content and how we can actually move and drive change in the industry forward. Thank you, Mark. Thank I, you. I really appreciate you having me. It's been, been a great chat and yeah, I look forward to, uh, to seeing you in person fairly soon. Hope you enjoyed listening to Trials with Maya Z. If you're interested to hear more about how clinical trials can serve patients globally, subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Have a great day.